This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Can you believe it? We are a week away from Easter, and uh, we have been going through a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you're going to note that uh, we are only looking at seven of the nine fruit of the Spirit. Uh, We didn't look at uh, kindness, and we didn't look at gentleness. Um, We looked at the other seven. Today is self-control. And you're also used to looking inside your worship guide and finding inside the worship guide a little devotional that pertains to the fruit that we're talking about. Uh, If you'd like the one on self-control, it's out uh, at the Welcome Center there, the Connect Center, and you can find it there and pick it up there, okay? But we do want to talk about self-control and kind of wrap up our discussion uh, on the fruit of the Spirit. And as we've been talking about the fruit of the Spirit, you might remember that it comes in the context of Paul's letter to the Galatians. And uh, there is a tension that exists in the church uh, from those who are Jewish followers of Jesus that believe that you need Jesus plus the requirements of the law uh, to to live a godly Christian life, or in in this instance, a life of following Jesus. And Paul is saying, well, no, it's, it's not Jesus plus the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, and in fact, Uh, The law and all that the prophets taught were intended to point the way to Jesus so that we would recognize our need for for a Savior. And in the person of Jesus Christ, we find the the perfect fulfillment of all that the prophets taught and all that the law was intended to do, okay? And so Paul is writing them saying, no, you don't need that. In fact... If you're wondering, well, then how as followers of Jesus do, do we live a, a moral life? Do we, do we live an upright life? He's saying you don't need the law because you have the Holy Spirit. And we know that at the moment a person comes to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, they are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit lives in us as followers of Jesus And it is when we yield to the Spirit, when we trust God by calling upon the Holy Spirit and the resources of the Spirit in our life, that we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit in our life really uh, is their signs that we we are following, we are yielding. A mature Christian yields fruit. And a mature Christian will evidence the fruit of the Spirit in his or her life. And so if we want uh, to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit, then we need to submit to the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that's a daily decision. You wake up every day and you acknowledge the Spirit's presence in your life and you call upon the Spirit, uh, you acknowledge your dependence upon the Spirit, and uh, in times of making decisions or times when 
You have choices to make about how can you respond to people or life circumstances, right? You rely and trust in the Spirit. And uh, that's God's design and intention. So, Paul writes this to the Galatians, and he talks about the fruit of the flesh. And then he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And he contrasts the two. And he says in Galatians 5 that that these two are in conflict with one another so that we as followers of Jesus um, don't have to give in to the desires of the flesh. We don't have to give in to those things because there is another way for us and God makes that available. So that's the background. And today we're talking about self-control as a fruit of the Spirit. And in the context of Galatians 5, self-control can have a couple of meanings. Uh, The one that probably we think of most when we read it has to do with subduing our, our human appetites and passions. And it definitely does mean that in the context. Uh, When I think of that, I think of struggles in our lives uh, where we we have human appetites, we have human desires and passions, and and how do we bring those things uh, unto submission of God? Well, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. And we have the resource of the Holy Spirit to do that. And now when I think of that, things that I struggle with, maybe you think of things you struggle with, I'm going to make a confession to you this morning. Um, I struggle with a good hamburger, okay? (laughs) My wife knows that. It's my food of choice. I could eat a hamburger every day. I could probably eat a hamburger three times a day. I mean, it is just what... In fact, I thought, what am I going to do someday, way off in the distance... Uh, when uh, I am no longer pastoring a church. I thought, maybe I could start a burger blog. Maybe Lori and I can travel across the United States and around the world searching for the greatest hamburger. To me, I mean, what a way to go out, okay? In more ways than one, all right? And uh, growing up in Southern California, of course, my idea of a burger pilgrimage is a trip to In-N-Out Burger, All right? Yeah. Quality you can taste, cleanliness you can see. I mean, I was, man, that's home cooking to me. In Alberger. I mean, it's almost irresistible. And, uh, but to appease my conscience, when I get a double double animal style, uh, Lori knows what I do. I ask for extra produce. So I feel better about eating it, right? A little more tomato and some pickle and some lettuce. It's healthier for you that way, don't you know? So, you know, making that choice. It's tough for me to drive by a good hamburger restaurant. I mean, it really is. I mean, there are times I'm I'm so desperate, even McDonald's, I'll settle for that. I know, I know, that's how bad it is. Self-control, Todd. Where's the the self-control? Well, I just have to share with you an article that kind of gets to the point of what I'm talking about. Um, It says, customers risk their lives to eat a 10,000-calorie burger. All right? Consider the foolhardy risk-takers at the famous Heart Attack Grill in Las Vegas. This restaurant is known for its flatliner fries cooked in pure lard, butterfat shakes, no-filter cigarettes, 
and the infamous and famous triple bypass burger. The restaurant's most recent victim, a woman, was eating the double bypass burger, louder than cheese and bacon, and smoking a non-filtered cigarette when she collapsed and was taken to the hospital, where she's currently recovering. Now, the owner, John Basso, said that he wishes her a swift and full recovery. But he added this. The woman got exactly what she asked for. A brush with death. Okay? We attract thrill seekers, risk takers, he told the Los Angeles Times, adding that this restaurant is bad, but fun. It's a restaurant that attracts people who don't take good care of their health. And the quadruple bypass burger can top 10,000 calories. In fact, the Guinness Book of World Record contacted him to say that the burger was being crowned the most caloric sandwich on earth. Now, to promote his restaurant, John Basso, the owner, says the restaurant offers free meals to people weighing 350 pounds or more. I tell you, he said, we attract the very bleeding edge, the avant-garde of risk-takers. Okay? Now, even though, even though for me, I mean, a, a good hand, I'm staying away from that place. Okay? I'm going to exercise self-control. But see, for a lot of us, when we think of self-control, we think of it in terms of making a choice not to do something that's bad or not to engage in something that's bad for us. And so when we think of self-control, we think of it only in the terms of subduing our passions and our appetites. But what I want to share with you today and what we see in the Scripture, and in particularly in the life of Christ, is that self-control also can mean something much different. In fact, when you understand this and when we get it, it really makes having self-control a lot easier. You're going to see what I mean here in a second. Lori and I have been preparing for Easter by going through a daily devotion and Bible reading. And one of the things that I've done to supplement that and uh, Lori and I were talking about this this last week as a book by a Christian music artist and theologian named Michael Card. And Michael wrote a little devotional called A Violent Grace Meeting Christ at the Cross. Okay? This is a great devotional. In fact, you go through it and it has 21 different chapters. And each chapter um, really helps you to see who Jesus is and what He's done for us, especially as He makes His way um, to the cross on Good Friday. And I just want to read to you uh, the chapter headings. In fact, Lori was reading them the other day, and, and, she's, and, and she's reading them. I go, man, where did you find those? That's good stuff. And she goes, well, it's in the book you're reading. And I was like, oh. Because I was reading through the chapters and not even paying attention Uh, to the headings. But let me just read these for you. It says, He was born to die so I could be born to new life. He suffered temptation so I could experience victory. He was betrayed so I might know His faithfulness. 
He was arrested and bound so I could be rescued from bondage. He stood trial alone so that I may have an advocate. He was wounded so that I could be healed. He endured mockery so that I know dignity and joy. He was condemned so the truth could set me free. He was crowned with thorns so I might crown Him with praise. He was nailed to the cross so that I might escape judgment. He was stretched out between thieves so that I may know the reach of God's love. He suffered thirst so I can drink living water. He said it is finished so that I could begin my faith. He was God's lamb slain so I could claim His sacrifice as my own. He was forsaken by the Father so that I would never be rejected. He chose the shame of weakness so I know the hope of glory. He shed His blood so I can be made white as snow. His heart was pierced so mine could be made whole. He died and was buried so the grave could not hold me. He rose again so that I might experience eternal life. And finally, He is known by His scars so that I can take up my cross and follow Him. Amen. Isn't that good stuff? Wow! And, and each of these really target an aspect of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem and from Palm Sunday to the cross. Uh, in fact, this is such a dynamic little book, such a good devotional. I think next year I'm going to order this and make them available for those of you that want them as a part of, of your preparation for Easter. Good stuff. Michael Card of Violent Grace, Meeting Christ at the Cross. But here is what I began to realize. And for me, it was an epiphany. Because I'd always thought of self-control in the context of saying no to something that's bad. Saying no to something that's not good for me. And, and the struggles I have with temptation, or the struggles I might have with my, my um, human uh, desires and passions and appetites and, and, and my desire to say no that I know to things that are bad for me. And that's how I've primarily thought of it. But if we look to Jesus as the one who is our perfect example, uh, the author of Hebrews say that we are um, to, to set our eyes to focus on Jesus. He is the author and the one who completes our faith. And, and we're to focus on Him. And so I want to look at Jesus as an example of, of every area of how I want to live my life as a Christian, especially when it comes to the area of exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit in my life. And we're going to find as we look through the, the entirety of the Gospels and as we examine Jesus' life, that, that Jesus was one who was yielded to the Holy Spirit. And that He does serve as an example of what it means uh, to yield to the Spirit of God so that He could fulfill the purpose to which God, right, had designed for Him 
God made flesh who dwelt among us, Jesus. His purpose was that He was born to die for you and for me. That we might be reconciled to God. That we could have forgiveness of sin, but not only forgiveness of sin and the promise of eternal life, but that we could have new life, abundant life. As we enter into that holy fellowship of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-eternal, right? Co-powerful. Um, that, that, that fellowship that by virtue of the work of Christ, you and I enter into and become a part of that. And so, as we look to the life of Jesus, suddenly we realize that, that Jesus' life And the self-control that he exhibits and that he models for you and for me is more than just saying no to something that's bad. In fact, as we think of the 21 chapter headings of Michael Card's book, A Violent Grace, all the things that he did, the pressures and the temptations and, and, and everything that he faced in his lifetime to fulfill the purpose of going to the cross to die for you and me, There had to be something at work in him that was causing him to do more than just say no to something that was bad. And in fact, we do now see the other aspect of self-control and it's modeled for us in Jesus' life. You see, self-control as we understand it and see it modeled in Jesus' life is so much more than just saying no to something that's bad. In fact, it's yielding to God for the purpose of saying yes to something that's good or much better. Do you see the difference? Jesus, in order to fulfill God's design and call for His ministry, born to die for us, for you and me, Exercise self-control in the sense of discipline, in the sense of focus. And that focus gave him a commitment. And that commitment was to doing the will of the Father. And in doing the will of the Father, Jesus was doing more than saying no to something that's bad or less than. What he was doing is yielding to the will of the Father for the purposes of something much better. Now when I recognize that and I see that modeled in the life of Jesus, that's what I desire for my life. That when I call upon the Spirit of God and desire the fruit of the Spirit, self-control in my life, I want to see it and understand it as yielding to the will of God for the purpose of something much better to fulfill His purposes and to fulfill the purposes for which He is calling me as His child. Now, as I was looking at Scripture, I began to to see some common themes here and and, and how Jesus lived that out, especially in times of great difficulty. And I just want to go over these quickly with you. When Jesus was tempted after His um, baptism... In Luke 4, excuse me, in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, in Luke 4, 13, 
we see that he's tempted three times by the devil. And, and the first thing the devil says to him, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Then, of course, Jesus responds with the Word of God, right? Man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil comes at him a second time, and notice he says the same thing. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. He took him to the high pinnacle. He said, throw yourself down, for it's written that the angels won't allow you to hurt yourself. Right? Lest you strike your foot against the stone. And uh, Jesus says, no, wait a minute. It's also written that you will not tempt the Lord your God. Right? And then a third time, the devil comes to him and says, all this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. Alright? If you bow down and you worship me. Three times, Jesus is tempted in the wilderness And each time, Jesus has to exercise self-control. More than just saying no to something that's bad, but yielding to the will of God for the purpose of something much greater. The purpose of something good. The purpose of something that has eternal value. For the purpose of fulfilling His mission, which was to die on the cross for you and for me. Okay? And, and the devil knew, hey, if I can get him right here in the beginning, then it's all done and finished. Right? Now check this out. Three times Jesus responds, and then after the third time, Luke's Gospel says this, when the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him for an opportune time. Boy, and that opportune time would come. During this holy week in which we follow Jesus from the gates of the city to Golgotha at the cross, there was opportune time. And the devil came again. This time on the cross. Let's look at this. And you're going to see similarities here between the initial temptation when Jesus is tempted and now Jesus is taunted as He's on the cross. Matthew 27, 39-44. Look at this. Now first are the people. Those who passed by hurled insults at Him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross, check this out, if you are the Son of God. Sound familiar? What happened in the wilderness and the temptation? The devil says, if you are the Son of God. Right? Do this. Then come the religious leaders. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the elders, they mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the King of Israel. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am God. Again, if, if you're the Son of God, if, if you are God incarnate, then come down from the cross. Right? Do you see in each time Jesus is having to exercise what? Self-control. 
But it's more than saying no to something that's bad. It's saying yes to the will of God. It's yielding to God's will for a greater purpose, for the purpose of something that's good. And of course, that Matthew passage really is the fulfillment of Psalm 22, 6 through 8. Look at this. But am I a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people? All who see me mock me. They hurl insults at me, shaking their heads. They say, he trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Man, look at that. That's written long before this event. But it really points to Jesus on the cross. But I want to show you something that's very instructive that will help us understand how to to exercise self-control in a way that is more than just saying no to something that's bad. Because we have difficulty saying no to something that's bad if we don't have something that's better. And what I want to encourage us today is to understand that like our Savior, the resource of the Holy Spirit in us gives us self-control, but that self-control is more than just saying no to something that's bad. It's saying yes and yielding to the will of God for the purpose of something that's much better. Do you see that? And between the temptation in the wilderness and the cross of Calvary, there was an event in the Garden of Gethsemane. And just as three times Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, and three times we see not only the people, the religious leaders, but the rebels who were crucified on either side of Him, insulting Him, In the garden, we see Jesus in an encounter with His Father. Understanding and knowing what's coming. But I want you to see the essence of Jesus' prayer. Matthew 26, 36-45. My Father, He says, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from Me. But check this out. Yet not as I will, but as You will. Because... Self-control is more than saying no to something that's bad. It's saying yes to something that's good. Yielding to God's purpose and plan. Then the second time he says, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may Your will be done. Again, yielding to the will of God for the purpose of something that's good and better. And then finally, it says, so he left them speaking of the disciples he had called to pray with him who couldn't stay awake. He left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. May your will be done. And I believe in in, in the epiphany for me this week as I've prepared for for Easter, as I'm taking the journey with Jesus from the gates of the city to the cross, to the grave and beyond, to the resurrection, 
I'm understanding this, John 6.38, and this was the discipline and the focus of Jesus that allowed Him to do more than say no to something that was bad, but allowed Him to yield to the will of God for the sake of something better. John 6.38, For I have come down for heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of Him who sent me. That was his discipline. That was his focus. That that was the center of his self-control. I love Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, where it says, For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And interesting, that word in the original language, scorn, or scorning means to give little account or little value to it. It's to recognize it as really not having much value. So in other words, what he's saying is he's scorning the scorn. He's saying, for the joy set before Jesus, he endured the cross and he considered the shame of the cross as really not having much value or being very little In comparison to what? In comparison to saying yes to God, yielding to God's will for the purpose of something much better. To fulfill God's purpose, the purpose to which He came to earth. And as a result, it says that he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, that place of exaltation, that place of of reward, that place of honor. And so today, for you and for me, as we take this journey with Jesus, we recognize that Jesus had an intimate relationship with his Father. But from the very beginning of his ministry, at his baptism, the Holy Spirit came upon him And it was the Holy Spirit and Jesus yielding to the will of God for the purpose of something better that allowed Him to to be our Savior, to die for us on the cross. And Jesus, in that intimacy with God, when He was in the wilderness and He was tempted, he, He went to the Word of God. You see, the devil spoke half truths, and he still speaks half truths, but Jesus confronted the devil with the whole truth. The Word of God. That's why the Word of God is uh, important for us here. And then in the, the garden, before he was to go to the cross, he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. The Word of God in prayer was so visible in his life, and it was that, along with that intimacy which he nurtured through God's Word and prayer that allowed him to yield to God's will for the sake of something better. And so for you and me, it's the same. It's the same. That we might leave here today looking at Jesus, the author and completer of our faith, to have a deeper understanding of self-control, meaning more than just saying no to something that's bad, the hamburger in your life. Okay? Whatever that is. It's so much more than that. It's yielding to the will of God. Not my will, but your will be done, Father. 
for the purpose of something better. And I'm telling you that when we live in yielded submission to the Holy Spirit in that way, we're just not saying no, we're saying yes. And the result is peace. The Italian author Dante in Paradiso says this, in his will, in his will, is our peace. As it was true of Jesus, may it be true of you and me. So worship team comes forward. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Jesus. And we thank you for his example. And this morning we recognize, as Dante wrote, that in your will, in doing your will, in yielding to your will for the sake of something better, not only for our lives, but to fulfill uh, the purpose that you have us on earth for, there is great peace. So, Father, as we follow Jesus now from Jerusalem on Palm Sunday to Golgotha, the place of the skull where he is crucified, Lord, may we remember that it was Jesus who died for us because he yielded to your will and said yes to something much better. Father, may that be our desire. And by the power of your Holy Spirit that's in us, may we live following Jesus' example. And we pray this in his name. Amen.